0: So, we begin our study through the book of Genesis, so we're in chapter 1, and before we start reading, I just want to point out a few things that I want to do going through this study and, and through the book of Genesis. One, I want to go verse by verse through each chapter, because I want to make sure we're all familiar with the stories of Genesis, a lot of great stories in the book of Genesis, but then also, as we look at these stories, I think it's good to make personal application in our own life, which is one of the main reasons God gave us these stories. These are examples for us. Uh, there's a lot of great things and principles that we can get from them. But another thing I want to do, going through the book of Genesis 2, is I want to try to point out um, all the areas where we get our doctrine from. For example, or where the New Testament would refer to Genesis uh, when it came to doctrine. So, for example, a lot of what Romans teaches about salvation is based off Things that we see in Genesis, specifically with Abraham. There's even examples too of replacement theology. Galatians 4. What does it do? It goes to Genesis. And so there's a lot of the things in Genesis that the New Testament talks about to teach certain doctrines that we believe. So we're, uh, we'll uh, highlight all those things. And so that's kind of the goal there. But one thing about the book of Genesis, you know, it is, you know, a lot of people call it the book of beginnings. This is how everything got here, but you know it is a lot more than just the book of beginnings. These are these are stories for our personal lives. These are things you ought to teach your kids, and we ought to follow the examples we have seen here. Learn from bad examples, but um, and so just like we get and so just like we get good doctrine from the book of Genesis, there's a lot of bad doctrine that comes from the book of Genesis. In fact, I'm just you know I, I hate to just stereotype and just you know throw out these like. Blanket claims that just apply to everybody. I'm sure there's exceptions out there. But your typical prophecy preacher, you know, obviously he's going to spend a lot of time in the book of Revelation. But you know what their second favorite book is they like to preach in all the time? The book of Genesis. Okay? Now, why is it that, you know, your just money grabbing, you know, nut job preachers are always fascinated with Revelation and the book of Genesis? Now, Revelation is pretty easy because, well, it's about future events, end times. We're all interested in that, aren't we? But we also like it too because it kind of looks like a you know, a, a sci-fi disaster movie, doesn't it? All right, how many of you, all right, go ahead, take your halos off. How many of you, you know, you, maybe this is just me, but, you know, you like the disaster movies and things because it it's always made me think of the tribulation and stuff. All right, am I the only one that thinks that way? Right, I don't care what it is. Any disaster movie you watch, you know that's kind of my thinking. And that's probably what it's going to be like in the tribulation. So you know, I think we're probably even more interested in that probably than even the world is. But then the book of Genesis, though, now why do we like it? I'll tell you one of the reasons we like it is because it is interesting, but we've also had a lot of sci-fi weird junk shoved down our throats when it comes to the book of Genesis. And folks, that's just wrong. All right? And as we go through the book of Genesis, I'm going to address some of these things. And I'm going to show how out of line it is to teach some of the things that are being taught from the book of Genesis, especially when it comes to the Nephilim and things like that. And you say, why did, Why do people do that? I'll tell you why. Because the first 10 chapters in Genesis cover 2,000 years. Now, you can only give so much, so much detail when you're trying to tell about 2,000 years of history In 10 chapters making it very easy for us to just insert whatever we want and folks the things that people are inserting are ridiculous and we're going to see an example right here in the very beginning and most of the people that do this are dispensationalists okay and once again if you are a preacher who does not have the power of god in your life and you're preaching to a bunch of carnal people talk about sci-fi disaster stuff and talk about sci-fi, lord of the rings, chronicles of narnia, you know, trash like that from the book of genesis. And that's why they all specialize in these things. Brian Sharp, I had Brian Sharp's whole cassette set of the book first five verses of the book of revelation, but I never got his one on genesis. I always wanted to. I was wanted to, but I never could afford it. It was like 50 bucks. And I can only imagine you know, and I know he taught some really goofy stuff with Nephilim and everything. But I mean, all the prophecy guys specialize in these two books. And you know why? It's because they're circus clowns. They're entertainers. And they go from church to church teaching the entertaining stuff. And half of it's trash. So I just need to get that out of my chest. Because we're going to debunk some of that right here in the very beginning. Because people get me, you know, the devil, if he's going to attack the Bible, he might as well start right in the very beginning. And he's used guys like C.I. Schofield. And if you get the Schofield Bible, Schofield inserts his trash. He inserts his false doctrine right in between verse 1 and verse 2. I mean, right away, he doesn't waste any time. All right, let me start filling your head with dispensational nonsense. So it says in Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Anybody see the gap in there? All right. And right. In, if you have a Schofield Bible, right in between verse 1 and 2, you'll have... I forgot what it says. I think it says a the gap theory or something right there. And, okay, now, first off, let me say... That it is not damnable heresy necessarily to say that there is a gap between verse 1 and verse 2 of this unknown amount of time. But here's the problem I have with that. Okay? Is, if you assume that there is a gap, and the Bible says nothing, absolutely nothing about what went on during that gap, that doesn't give you the right to go insert whatever kind of sci-fi nonsense you want in there. This is where they had this pre-Adamic race. This is where the dinosaurs came from. You know, the dinosaurs are millions of years old, like the evolutionists say. It's just they were from before Adam. There was this race of angelic type beings that sin. They're the ones that built the pyramids and built Stonehenge. And shit. You know, I, we can go on all these, all these things, all these things that man can't explain, science just can't figure out. How'd they get those stones there in South America so close together you can't even slide a paper in between them? We can't do that type of thing today. Why is that? We haven't got the kind of technology they probably had back then. Back then they had spaceships. They had, you know, they had you know, teleporters. They had all the you know, And you can just go into all kinds of sci-fi nonsense. Folks, even if it's true that there's a gap there, the Bible doesn't tell us about any of that stuff. And yet these guys are going to go. They're going to go preach that kind of nonsense, and people eat it up. That's just wrong. Okay, listen. If you if you're all interested in what you know, how they built Stonehenge, and you know what what it was used for. You know, was it a Stargate? Was it a what? You know, whatever they're teaching, right, or whatever sci-fi movie you watched. Okay, then go to the History Channel for that. Don't go to the Bible for these things. You know, go to the sci- go, go subscribe to the sci-fi channel on your cable package, and go watch it. And don't bring that junk into church. That's just absolute garbage. So, folks, I, I personally do not believe in the gap theory, or as the Ruckmanites call it, the gap fact. The gap fact. And I'm not even I'm not going to take the time to go into all the scriptures they use to teach the gap fact, but it's just trash. It, they, they have nothing, it's typical Ruckmanite type you know, methods that they use. I'll, I'll look at one verse here in a second, but the reason I, I don't believe in the gap theory is because you would never get that just from reading Genesis 1. Genesis 1 all by itself, you would never get it. That you have to insert that. Somebody has to tell you about it. You never get that. But then second of all, I think Exodus chapter 20 verse 11 is pretty clear. I think Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, is trying to, uh, you know, spell out something pretty simple. And it says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So God made the earth, and in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And on and on that first day the earth was that form, darkness was upon the face of the deep, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay? So all these things here that are mentioned in, in Exodus chapter twenty, we all see there on right there in the beginning, and it says he did it all in six days. So why can't we just take the Bible for what it says? Well, how are we going to make a sci fi movie out of that? You know, I mean, just you know forget your sci fi movies, okay? Go to your Star Trek convention and dress up like a Klingon or something. Keep that trash out of the church, okay? I, I get, I get why people are into some of that stuff. It's entertaining, all right. You know, Star Wars, you know, inter- that's entertaining. But it doesn't fit in the Bible. And folks, I, I almost posted a clip of it a while back, and I didn't. I thought, you know, I should probably talk to the guy first. I should give him a chance. He's not a well-known guy. I just came across. I was watching. I watch random live streams all the time of services. And I'm watching this guy. I have no idea who he is. He's got to be a Ruckmanite. And he's teaching how there's battles going on in space with principality. He, you guys remember Templeton from Charlotte's Web? All right. He sounds exactly like that guy he talks. And it's just, it was just like, are you kidding me? And he's like, you know, he, he's fighting. You know, we got the first heaven, the sky, and the second heaven—that's you know, outer space—and the third heavens where God dwells. Well, where is it? Where all these principalities are fighting in the second heaven in outer space? And you're like, it's pretty scary stuff, isn't it? I'm just thinking, <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, that that that's passing is preaching today, and it just it blows my mind. Random live stream, Fundamental King James Baptist Church, and I'm just like, what is happening in Baptist churches? It's it's like, you know, Star Star Wars now real too. You know, maybe that's just like symbolic of what's going on with the demons and the angels out there. You know, you got the light side fighting the dark side. They've just added lightsabers and you know, it just, folks, it's ridiculous. All right, no wonder churches are going downhill. You know, no wonder things are a mess like they are. But another reason I don't believe in the gap theory too—it's based off of dispensational, retarded cross references. Okay. Now turn over. To, turn over to Jeremiah 4:23. And I bring this up too because—and I'm, I'm spending some time on this because I'm trying to—I want to teach you some things about studying the Bible that's really important. All right. So you don't make these kind of dumb mistakes. Okay, now, Ruckmanites in all dispensations, they love talking about their cross-references. Okay, And there is such a thing as cross-references in the Bible where you can go to one place in the Bible and you can go and find another place in the Bible where it's talking about the same thing. Cross- cross-references are real. But in the Ruckmanite world, they tie things together just because the same words are used. They're not talking about the same thing at all. But because the same word is used, they declare it a cross-reference. And so they'll be reading about one subject over here that's really vague. And they'll go somewhere else in the Bible where it's talking about something completely unrelated. But then they'll call it a cross-reference because it's using the same word. And then they go and they mesh these things together and just create weird doctrine from it. That's exactly what they do with Abraham's bosom. When they're teaching the stupidity on that. They use weird cross references. They never look at the context of passages. And I'm not going to go into everything that Jeremiah 4 here is talking about. But look what it says in the verse 23. And I beheld the earth. And lo, it was without form and void. Whoa, where have we seen that before? In the beginning God created the earth. I and mean the earth there was without form and void. Cross reference. Alright? And the heavens. And they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of heaven were fled. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was, in the, was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by His fierce anger. For thus saith the Lord: For the, thus hath the Lord said, the whole land shall be desolate. Yet I will not make a full end. Now what they'll teach with this here. Is this is talking about? You know, there it's figuratively talking about how I, I believe it's Jerusalem God was going to destroy and what it was going to be like. But then they'll say he's referring back to a judgment that was uh, taking place on the pre-Adamic race. And so when we see this passage right here, you know, we're supposed, to, you know, this is uh, an example of what it was like in between Genesis one one and one two, because the earth was without form. And, void, and they'll they'll just go back to that. Once again, you read all of Jeremiah, there's absolutely no evidence of that at all. Absolutely none. So you can't just assume that. Now, if you've already decided that there is a gap between Genesis 1, 1 and 1 2, then you can maybe assume that's it. But folks, there's just no evidence for it. So the th- And the thing is, too, the Ruckmanites like to talk about how things that are different are not the same. Well, let's look at a few differences here. So first off, you know, the heavens had no light. Well, I thought the heavens came later. You know, the stars were on the fourth day when those were created. And notice, too, how it mentions um, the mountains. The land didn't appear until later. Until, you know, uh, you know, in there, too. So all these things it's referring to, you know, the fruitful place was a wilderness. How do you have all these things in an earth with all seed? And what does a race do that's just a planet of water? Okay? And maybe that's where Aquaman comes in, all right, and Atlantis and all that kind of stuff, all right? Maybe that fits with the Bible, too. I'm sure there's probably some Ruckmanites out there that teach that. They were like fish people or something, you know, that's where mermaids come from. uh, But anyway, you know, just so, you know, that kind of thing, it's just it's very frustrating As somebody who actually studies the Bible and tries to you know, have some consistency in their teaching, when you see the way people do that, because when I listen to preaching too, you know, one thing that I just naturally do as somebody who puts messages together all the time, I try to, I'm constantly figuring out, okay, how did you come to this conclusion? And when I see what they do, I realize just how deceptive it is. It's very dishonest, and it's a lot of garbage, but this type of preaching is meant to To make merchandise out of Christians who are just big Star Wars, Lord of the Rings nerds. And they eat it up. You know, they they would rather, they want the Bible to have more sci fi and fantasy type action in it. And so they insert it. And so you have preachers preaching about battles being fought in space with principalities. Just ridiculous stuff. And you don't do that with the book of Genesis. But it's easy to do, especially in the first 10 chapters. And folks, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I loved all that stuff. I, I, anything I could get my hands on that was pre-flood, I read. Inclu- I've read like every apocryphal book, you know, the book of Jubilees that tells all kinds of stories about Adam and Eve after they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden and how, you know, they went to do penance and... Adam told Eve, "I want we're going to go stand in the stream of water for 40 days as kind of an act of penance, hoping God would let him in. And so he, she went in one part of the stream. He was uh, somewhere else. And then Satan came and tempted her to get out of the water and tricked Eve again and just all kinds of weird stuff like that and about the cave that they lived in during that time where there was all these carvings that taught all these things, you know, just the secrets of the universe and stuff, you know. I mean, just weird stuff like that. I loved it. Okay, now, did I ever believe it was fact? No. But it was entertaining. Okay, it's, it's called entertainment. And yet, this thing is, many people are taking this entertainment that's trash, that's sci-fi, that's fantasy, and they're inserting it in the scriptures. Most of you didn't know that when Cain was born, as soon as he was born, as soon as he comes out of his mother's womb, he like walks over and takes a plant and pulls out a flower and like gives it to his mom. You know, Noah, when he was born, was this special. he was this special child that literally was like white. He had white hair and was like glowing. And when Noah's dad Lamech saw him, he got scared thinking his wife had been unfaithful to him and that he was a Nephilim because those were walking around during that time and he had to go get his dad Methuselah uh, to come and his, Methuselah comes and tells him how no, he's just a very special child Stuff. That, that's the kind of stuff you can read. Okay, I, forgot what, I, I don't know if that was the book of Jubilees. I forgot which one it is. I've I read a bunch of them. So where did that stuff come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from a bunch of Jewish scribes that just made up stories. And yet, and the thing is too, this is the thing that a lot of these Rukmanites don't realize. A lot of this trash that they teach, that they act like they're getting from the Bible, they're getting it from these books. They're reading these books too. And trying to find a way to make these stories fit the Bible. And that is out of line that is wrong. Should not do that. So let's keep going. Verse 3. And I can spend a lot. Of time. In fact, I'll probably do some of that as we go through the book of Genesis. Because I know a ton of awesome stories about things that happen in the book of Genesis that your Bible doesn't tell you. <laughs> it's in these banned books from the Bible. You ever wonder why they ban these books? Stuff they don't want you to know about. They don't want you to know about the 900-foot giants. And they don't want you to know about you know, all these things that you know, supposedly are taught. You know, that's why they don't want the Book of Enoch in there because supposedly that teaches that the world's flat. I've read it before. I didn't see that in there. And they don't want you to know that. But it's like, no, Book of Enoch, it, it's really weird. And here's the thing, too. These clowns with these, you know, these just you know, charlatans like Rob Skeba out there just making money off dumb Christians... He loves to talk about the book of Enoch. He calls it a biblically endorsed extra biblical text with the book of Enoch and the book of Jasher. Well, the book of Enoch teaches Nephilim. The book of Jasher teaches it was the sons of Seth, you know, intermarrying with the daughters of Cain. So, we got a big problem there. They both can't be biblical. And so, anyway, verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So understand, the book of Genesis is telling us how everything began. Now, another example where people are just butchering the scriptures today. The book of Genesis, it's, it's explained the origin of everything. Okay, isn't it interesting how Genesis 1 is very similar to what we see in John 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, why did John 1 start out that way, similar to the way it did in Genesis? Because John is trying to make sure everyone understands that the Word that was made flesh is the Creator. That, he was the, that Jesus Christ is the or, origin of everything. God the Father made the world and everything that there is by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was there in the beginning with God. And Jesus Christ is the one that spoke everything into existence. So the book of Genesis starts out showing us how God is the origin of everything. And then John is explaining that Jesus Christ is God. Okay? So when the Bible is giving us the origin of everything, and it's just giving basically showing how God made all things in six days, understand what it is not doing. The book of Genesis, it is not trying to give us a twenty-first century scientific evaluation, you know, or scientific analysis of the makeup of the universe. That's not what it's trying to do. It was written in a way That what needed to be understood could be understood, and that's simply that God was the origin of all things. Now, also understand, our language over time changes, okay? And often, our language gets a little more specific because we have, you know, greater knowledge of certain things. But understand that what the book of Genesis meant when it was written is what it means today, It means the same, it should mean the same thing, Okay? And I say all that, too, to say, another thing a weirdo dispensational guy did, he was going through, um, he was going to Revelation. Talk about the seven stars in Revelation. And he wanted to show everybody how smart he was. And so he went on there to explain how the seven stars are referring to um, seven angels. Okay? And how stars are sometimes angels, and then what he did, he went to Luke or Matthew uh, in the Christmas story, talking about the star that was over the place where Jesus lay, and he was explaining how that couldn't really be a star, because if it was a star, I mean, it was directly over where Jesus was, and if it was an actual star, it would just would have engulfed everything and consumed everything, because you know we know that stars are these gigantic balls of gas, you know, like our sun is. Yes. Therefore, it couldn't be a star, and I'm thinking, you idiot. Okay, a star in the Bible is not always necessarily, you know, a ball of gas as we know a star is today. A star in the Bible was a light in the sky. Okay, that's all it was. It was a light in the sky. We'll probably I'll probably say a little more on that. And so, what people want to do you know, they want to see where it says star in the Bible and they want to try to apply, you know, the modern definition of it. You know, what the light in the sky was made out of, it doesn't matter. Whether the light came from an angel, whether it came from a small ball of gas, you know, whether it was an angel holding a flashlight, whatever it was, when you see a light in the sky, it's a star. Okay? That's why we call shooting stars. Okay, Why do we call them shooting stars? Is it because... You know, it's an actual star that we're seeing fall, or is it because we're seeing a streak of light fly through the sky? So a star is just a light in the sky In, in, in the Bible, and but people do they want to go and start correcting the Bible with modern definitions of things? That is out of line. That is inappropriate. And they want to get overly literal. They want to get overly analytical on things, and just not really. God is not trying to describe the atomic structure of everything here in the universe. The Bible is just telling us how everything got here. That's all. That's all it's trying to do. And God spoke everything into existence. God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. The evening and the morning were the first day. Look at what it says in Colossians one. 16. You don't have to turn over there, but in Colossians 1.16, it says, For by Him, talking about Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. So Genesis 1 is just showing everything is here because of God. God is why everything is here, and the Bible does not necessarily owe us an expl- explanation of just the elemental breakdown of everything in creation. The Bible doesn't owe us, you know, it doesn't have its own periodic table of the elements in there to describe every little thing. And we don't need to go get overly analytical based on today's modern definitions of things. Let's just read it for what it's trying to teach us, and it's just trying to teach us everything got here by God. Don't go reading into the text. Don't go adding things to it. That is out of line. And so one of the things people like to bring up too, it's like, well, there's light and there's dark, but there's no sun yet. The sun doesn't come to the fourth day. Sun, moon, and stars will come to the fourth day. You know What's that all about? And then they'll try to use that to prove that the sun is not the actual source of light on the earth. Okay? You say, well, what do we do with that? Well, we see that... God is light. I personally think the first day, He was the source of light on the earth. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I think He took a trip around the planet after He made it. I mean, that's pretty much what it says happened. And so I personally think that on that first day, God Himself was the source of light. It says in Revelation 21-23, talking about New Jerusalem, and the city had no need of the sun... Neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the lamb is the light thereof. So now no, you know, that doesn't say there was no sun or there's not going to be any sun then, but it's just showing that there's no need of it. Why? Because the glory of God lightens it. And so I believe God Himself was on earth during this time when He's creating it, and He lit the place up. And I don't think that's a bit. I don't think that's a stretch at all. It makes sense if God's going to show up, He's going to light things up. So God, God was the source of light on the first day. And you know the evolutionists like to bring that up too. You know the they like to bring things like that up, but I don't think that's a problem at all. I think God was the source of light. So this doesn't prove that light comes from something other than the sun. Don't read that in the scriptures. Don't add that in because we do know that God is the source of light. And he literally lit it up. So verse 6 says, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Now this is another thing people like to debate, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a scientific guy at all, I don't know that much on these things, and I don't want to read into the scriptures. And uh, but at the same time, um, you know, I guess the the two theories I've heard is one that you know there's water above the sky that we see today. All right, that's what the flat earthers teach. um, Obviously, I don't subscribe to that. But actually, there's a third theory too. All right, the the third theory is the Ruckmanite theory, and that there is a water that's below the planet and that there is a water that is above the planet that's in between uh, and then there's heaven that's above that water. Sluter, uh shared a, uh, basically a diagram of this. And that's where Leviathan swims. <laughs> yes. Leviathan swims in the water that is above our planet and below heaven. Now, once again, where do these people pull this stuff, I, I have no idea. And then this Peacock guy, his last name's Peacock, Ruckman Pastor, he teaches that the universe is triangle shaped and that it used to be filled with water. And then God separated them. And I just you know, you, you hear this kind of stuff, and you do. You just wonder, you know, Lord, why have you not just torched this planet? You know, Lord, you know, just crazy. So that, so I guess there's those two theories. The other theory too, you know, is what they call, uh, you know, the canopy of water that was above the earth. Because we do know that during those first years before the flood, it never rained on the earth. You know, so some people say that that's how people were able to live over 900 years. They had that protection from the UV rays from the sun. Obviously things were very different on the planet before the flood. There's no doubt about that. It it, it it never rained and people lived over 900 years. Now that right there is another reason too people like to just go crazy with the sci-fi stuff. All right. Now people believe they lived over 900 years, but that doesn't mean all this other wacky stuff is true. But things definitely were different on the planet during that time and then they teach that, you know, when the flood came, that was basically the canopy of water going away collapsing coming down on the earth and then you know now it rains now we get you know the sun uh you know messes things up and so we don't live as long you know change the atmospheric conditions you know i'm not once again i'm not a scientist i don't understand all that stuff uh obviously if you're if you're going to ask me which theory i would pick i'll pick that one all right that one seems to make more sense and you know Either way, that doesn't prove okay. Once again, I'm not flat Earth, but folks, the the round earthers are just as bad sometimes interpreting the scriptures as the flat earthers. Okay, I understand we want it to be round, but that doesn't mean we get to go take passages in the Bible that have nothing to do with the shape of the Earth and then make it round. Okay, and you know what, flat Earthers can't do it either. Okay, and Both sides are looking like idiots, going ultra literal on things where they shouldn't be. Sometimes we just have to admit, you know, the Bible just sometimes doesn't talk about some stuff. There's just some things that the Bible really doesn't say a whole lot about, and you just need to. But everybody wants to use the Bible to prove their point, whether it's you know fights in space going on, you know, whether it's you know a pre, you know, Adamic race of people. Where they had orcs and elves and, you know, things like, you know, whatever it is, don't do that. That is wrong and you make the Bible look stupid. Don't do that. That is completely inappropriate and completely out of line. Sometimes you just have to say, you know what? The Bible doesn't explain how they lived so long back then. You know what you do? You, You can speculate. But your speculation cannot become sound doctrine in your mind. When you do that, you're out of line. And you're dishonest with the scriptures. So, but if you ask my guess on what that's talking about, I think it's a can of beer water. Why, you know, why? are you so sure about that? Because I grew up listening to Kent Hovind. And that was what he taught, and thinks the ice meteor came and you know hit the earth, knocked the planet on a tilt, uh, and all that. But you have to go watch the Hovind theory. All right, that that's that's an old one. But anyway, it's uh, just a theory. Verse nine said, and God said, let waters. "...under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind." And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Everything produces after its own kind. Oh, and also, did you know that all trees can be in ten different categories, and there's ten different types of trees. And that one tree of knowledge of good and evil, that one tree that they weren't supposed to have, that represented the tithe. And just a reminder, you, you should never touch the tithe. God God condemned a whole race of people because Adam and Eve stole the tithe. All right, we're going to take another offering after church. Uh, I, I heard that straight from the mouth of Keith Gomez. It was the message where he said, "It's like you show me in the Bible where God ever killed people because of sexual sin." He said, "He said he said I'll show you where he killed people because they they stole the tithe." That's exactly what he said, and then he told that story. He had to have gotten that from a ruckmanite. There's no way he came up with that. He stole that from a ruckmanite, I guarantee you. But anyway, the Bible does not tell us that, and I don't even know. If, I don't even know if science tells us there's ten kind of trees. I don't know. I remember when I was in school learning about all the different types of trees. I think I flunked that test. But either way, either way, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil doesn't represent the tithe, If it did, the Bible would tell us that. But anyway, some preachers they just really need your money. Uh, I think he was raising money for that new foyer. Then they spent like over a million dollars on, so uh, it was really important that they be scared to the point of, you know, that they'll die if they don't give their tie that day. But anyway, it, so another thing that's clear too from the scriptures, you know, God created an earth obviously that was ready to sustain life. Okay. That's another thing, too. You know, and, and first off, the carbon dating has already proved to be a fraud with a lot of things. I mean, Mount St. Helens are, you know, already is showing things that are millions of years old that you know, literally happened thirty years, 40 years ago. You know, that, that's all a fraud. But you might find some evidence of things on Earth that show that the planet is older than 6,000 years, but that's because God created a mature Earth, an Earth that's ready to sustain life. Adam when Adam was made, he wasn't a baby, he was a full-grown man. All these animals, they were, uh, they were full-grown animals. God created earth that was ready to sustain life. And the evolutionists, they've literally had to come up with a theory that credits billions of years of just all kinds of random acts and coincidences having to explain how everything got here. That's what you have to do because they can't even answer, answer the simple question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? No evolutionist can explain that. So, what do they do when they're trying to explain it? They've got to come up with the theory of evolution that is nothing more than a faith based religion. Right. Ev- evol- evolution is a faith based <laughs> religion, and it's a really dumb one. Right. But for us, it's no problem. It came first, chicken to the egg, and chicken. Yeah. God created a chicken that was able to lay eggs. Right. That's what happened. It, it, it's real simple when you just believe the Bible. Right. Okay, God created the mature... truth. Things like that just don't happen. Okay, I mean, we've never seen any new species come to be, have we? We've never seen any new thing just come to be. We know, We see stars. Well, they see stars that go away. We don't see new ones form. You know, we don't. We don't see any of these things happen. Well, and you know their explanation? Well, it takes billions of years to happen. No, that's just. That's a cop out because you don't have an answer. That's all. That's all there is to it. And it's not. These things aren't based on science at all. You know, and so and Christians do you know, sometimes get perplexed because of the supposed evidence of things that are much older than six thousand years. But the simple fact, God created mature Earth. You know, they try to say, oh, you know, the stars, the light shouldn't even be here on Earth yet because they're so far away. Not if God created. A mature Earth that have stars already to be there for signs and for seasons. So God took care of all that stuff when He made it. It's not a problem for Him. And so, verse fourteen it says that God said, "Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. There are lights in the firmament. Okay, there are lights. Now, God, the Bible does not categorize them the way that we do. You know." He just called them all lights. Either way, that's that's still right. That's still what they are. The sun gives light, moon gives light, stars give light, and you know, even the planets give some light. You can see that little red star. Okay. Oh, it's not a star; it's a planet. Well, it's a light in the sky, so it's a star too. Okay, and even if you look up definition of stars, uh, the definition it's any of the heavenly bodies except the moon appearing as a fixed luminous point in the night sky, the sky at night. In astronomy, any of the large, self-luminous heavenly bodies, as the sun, planets, etc., or just any heavenly body. Is one of the definitions. So any light you see in the sky can be classified as a star. Okay, and yes, science has put different distinctions in them. Either way, it's a light in the sky. Okay, that's what the Bible, that's what the Bible's teaching here, and so we don't need to go ultra-literal all of a sudden and start acting like there's mistakes in the Bible. So it, it's, it's not right for us to pull doctrine out of a passage that the passage isn't trying to teach. So sometimes we just got to admit the Bible doesn't talk as much about some things that we would like it to. It, 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 there was just no need for it. So in verse 20 it says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales And every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. If I may address another false doctrine that's come from the book of Genesis by Phil Kidd. Phil Kidd preached a message one time I was listening to against interracial marriage and he was talking about how you know everything produces after its own kind you know and he's like even the birds you know have a sense to stay with their own kind you don't see a blue jay with a cardinal and a cardinal with an oriole you know and just like name you know he's going into all these rants but you know everything does everything produces after its own kind and the truth is you know when it comes to uh, you know whites and blacks or whatever the fact simple fact that they can reproduce pr- proves that it's their own kind. You know why? Because it's mankind. And once again, just because later man puts distinct, you know, distinctions, just because the Democratic Party is always constantly talking about white versus black versus you know, and all that stuff, because that's just shoved down our throats today, doesn't mean that God sees it that way. God sees mankind. And the fact that black people and white people can reproduce children proves that they are of the same kind. And Phil Kidd doesn't know anything, alright? Phil Kidd is obviously just a moron that doesn't, you know, like seeing, you know, mixing of colors going up, you know? And we even separate the lights from the darks in our laundry. You know, people don't do it in their marriage, you know? Those kind of lines, alright? That's a kind that kind of, that's like, that's sound doctrine in the South against interracial dating. That illustration I just gave you right there. But I think Genesis proves that there's just mankind. That's all there is to it. Just dumb stuff there. But verse twenty three in the evening morning were the fifth day. And so verse twenty four, God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeped upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Two genders. All right, I know it's the 21st century, but two genders. That's it. The rest are mental disorders, the rest is perversion. The rest is, you know, more categories, just like, you know, people are trying to shove down our throats today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's garbage. It it is not right. Two kinds, male and female, and both of them are in the image of God. Okay. God, both of them are a part of, you know, humankind and, you know, God loves men and God loves women. All right. We are... We are equal, but we have different roles. Okay, And we'll see the authority structure later. But notice how God gave man dominion over the animals. It, the animals are not, you know, we're not here for the animals, they are here for us. We are not here for the planet, the planet is here for us. We are special, we are above animals. God breathed into the nostrils of man and he became a living soul. God did not do that with the animals. God gave us dominion over them. And I know our world's backwards today and people have dominion over the animals. People can't do what they want to do because they got to take care of their dog. You know, they can't do this. You know, it's an amazing the way people are serving their animals today. All right. If you've got a stinking pet and you want to serve it, you know, go right ahead and do it. I ain't doing it. All right. <laughs> last thing I'm going to do is go pay money for food for an animal that produces no income for me. That's, an, that's not going to happen. And we put we put a forever ban on pets in our household just because I've had enough, man. I got sick of those cats acting like they're better than me. And me paying food for them, they don't do hardly anything. And just, you know, just be worthless. Man, I'm here to have dominion over them. And they don't listen to me they don't come they don't come when i tell them to come and so therefore they're out of the house all right that's, anyway it's, it's another subject for another day if you want to do that that's fine but i'm going to have dominion and you know what i'm going to go out and hunt them and if you want to go out and hunt them if you want to go out and shoot an animal and eat it it's if you want to raise an animal you want to raise that animal just even so later kill it and eat it that's okay you know, when I went out with Brother Menez and we went out and they went and tortured that poor pig and killed it. You know what? It's alright. It, uh, that pig didn't want to die. And I felt pretty bad after they killed that pig. I was kind of traumatized. But I got over it and I ate it the next day. You better believe I ate it and it was good. And I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel bad about it at all. That's why I hear it. So, it was God's plan for man to fill the earth and we have not done that. Okay, overpopulation isn't something we need to worry about. This planet's got plenty of room on it, and the command to replenish the earth is not proof that the earth has been filled before. Okay? Why did God tell Adam to replenish the earth? You know, how can you replenish something unless it's been replenished before? Okay? Why, why did he say that? I'll tell you why he said that, because this is a continual thing that we have to do. Okay, just like you know, he was supposed to take care of the garden and dress it and keep it. That's something you have to continually do because you can't just grow fruit and then boom the, job, boom, the job's done. No, because what happens? You eat it, and then you need more. And the truth is, Adam could not fill the earth by himself, and we can't. No, you know, no single generation can do that because people come, people go. This is just something we've got to constant this is, this is an ongoing thing. This is a command that God gave to mankind to fill this earth. And it's not something you just do. It's like, well, I replenished it. Therefore, we're all done now. Birth control for everyone. You know, sterilize everyone. we fulfill fulfilled that command to replenish... earth. No. This is, this is an ongoing thing that we have to keep doing. Because people are born. People die. That's why he said, it says replenish the earth, not replenish the earth this, this, this isn't just something we do once and we're done it's you got to keep doing it so um you know when god created this first generation of living creatures he had no intention of creating another generation in the future okay we don't see another creation later do we and it's interesting too that when god decided he was going to destroy the earth that he had Noah build an ark to put all the animals in it, why couldn't he just start all over? Because God never had any intention of just doing another creation later. God made that first generation and it was their job to reproduce and to fill the earth. And then whenever it came time to destroy the earth, God spared some so they can do it again. Because God has no intention of doing another creation of beings. If, if everything dies out now, It's not coming back. It'll be done. So verse 29, God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is uh, is the fruit of tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and every beast of the earth, and every fowl of the air, and everything that creeps upon the earth wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. Now here's another example. Showing definitions of the word change. Notice how he says these herbs, these things growing, are meat. Now, we don't call those things meat today, do we? But sometimes, you know, back then, meat was just, you know, what you eat. It was what you used to stay alive. And me, today, in this dispensation, I need meat to survive. And when I say I need some meat, I mean I need to eat an animal. And that's what I said. But they didn't do that before the flood. They just had, you know, and once again, things were different back then. But they had, you know, they ate the fruit, they ate things that grew from the ground, and it was it was meat for them. And often you see that in the Bible. Today, when we talk about meat, we're talking about animal, aren't we? We're talking about flesh, is, is what we're talking about. So sometimes definitions over time do change. Doesn't mean that there was like animal flesh growing on trees back then. And if you want to interpret the Bible like a ruckmanite, if you want to interpret the Bible like a lot of people going ultra literal with the scriptures, especially in the book of Genesis, like some of the flat earth people, then we need to say that animal flesh was growing from trees. If we're going to go ultra literal, I hate that, folks. I just I hate these ultra literal people. I want to slap them when I when I hear them try to interpret the Bible. It makes me sick. It's just showing this is where you're going to eat. This is how you're going to survive. It says in verse 31, and God saw everything that He made, and behold, it was very good in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So, what God gave us and what God set us up with, it was all good. All the bad that is in the world today that people want to blame God for, they need to realize no, the bad that is in this world today is not because of God, it's because of man's sin. You know, why would a loving God, you know, create a world that has this? God didn't create a world that had all those things. God created a world, though, where He put man, and man brought all that into the world. Death came into the world by man. Everything God made was good. Oh, I don't like that. I think it's terrible. Well, you know what? Get over it, because God still loved this world, and He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One of these days, God's going to come back, and He's going to restore things to the way they were originally intended to be, and you know what? You could get in on that if you'll just believe on Christ. But unfortunately, you think you know better than God. You think you're better than God is. You think you're more righteous than God is. You don't blame yourself for the problems that are on this earth. You want to blame God even though it wasn't God's fault. It was man's fault. And what you ought to just do is be thankful that as bad as this world is, as bad as mankind has messed it up, thank God I don't have to go down with it. Thank God He provided a way of salvation and one of these days, I can experience creation as God intended, and that's what is to come. So we'll leave off right there. That's Genesis chapter one, and uh, just understand the the basic premise of that chapter. It's not to teach us the you know the atomic structure of everything. It's not something to go ultra a literal. It's just showing everything that is in this earth is here by God. Everything in this universe is here by God. That's the message you give. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. I pray You'll help us to follow these things, Lord. Help us not to get caught up in all the goofy things that people do with the Scriptures, but we'll just uh, read Your Word as it's intended to be read and get the message that You intended to give from it. I pray folks will uh, learn from it. Be blessed. In Your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand.